I sound like a bit of an asshole here? This place is crazy. I'm sorry if I sound like a bit of an asshole. This place is crazy. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of Van Shitty 2.0. I'm here with my best friend, Joel McCarthy, uh, and roommate and all those other things that you guys already know about. I think when I started the podcast, I was going to do an episode with him, but uh, what we ended up doing was an episode with him and Sasha that was mostly about running guns, so we actually have never done one together. So, how's it going? Good. I'm, I'm ready to... Uh give all my my work talk about all the the dark sides of me get canceled yeah. let's um, do it you know give like the worst hot takes fuck yes <laughs> fuck yeah that's why we've got booze between us i've actually never had one of these straight and narrow i mean it's a gin cocktail. shocking is this like a good brand yeah i mean road is Rode is great. My my favorite microphone i own and i own a couple of microphones yeah. is my Rode ntg3 wow um, um, my and actually no, this is an Audio Technica. Uh, I also, I mean, not to brag about my road. No, actually, no. that's my only road I have. It's a good mic. It's a good mic. Yeah, yeah. You've been at this for much longer than me. So let's let me do this as if I'm just putting my do not disturb on because I don't want to get a fucking buzz sound in here next to the mic. Um, you've been at this longer than I have. Uh, so we did uh some. You, you, circling back, uh, you tell the story a lot when you do interviews and stuff about how you started making films because of Jackass, etc. I think you've told that story enough, so I, I actually want to talk about... It was CKY, so obviously yeah. not enough. No, 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 you always say CKY, and you call it Camp Kill Yourself, and you do, like, you've yeah, done okay, that. Like, fair, that's like, fair. That's know. like a Joel McCarthy talking point, right? Yeah. That's like, that's kind of how i think our whole generation of millennials if we decided to make home movies with our friends we we got inspiration yeah specifically men in north america got inspiration from watching those guys hurt themselves because i think we realized that we could make the stuff that was incredibly entertaining to us without needing expensive equipment yeah like I, and, and comparatively to like what the zoomers of like oh you were watching youtube videos it's like we were just like watching people kick each other in the nuts and be like i can make films too yeah, but what I had never heard of until I met you uh, was 48-hour film festivals. Um, yeah. How long, I mean, you probably know about the history of them more than I do, so how long, what is the history of 48-hour film festivals as I mean, far as you know it? As far as I know, it, it's kind of something that, that was happening every, like a lot of different places with like the digital revolution, right? Mm -hmm. Because like with film, it... I mean, we, we we assumed it was impossible to do yeah. forty eight hours. Clearly, that's been proven wrong recently. But even so, that's yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think with that, it was like, I mean, the idea of just like making something quick and fun. And so for me, I was in high school, and like, literally, my mom cut out a piece of paper from uh, like a, a piece of the newspaper. This is gonna... yeah, like the Port Moody newspaper, right? Yeah, the Tri City News. Okay. Um, not to be confused with the now, because we had two local papers. This <laughs> right. Was, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that got delivered ancient. to our door, I remember. The Zoomers are like, what the fuck is a paper? Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, um, so my mom cut out this article about this 48-hour film competition in Port Moody. And uh, yeah. I was, like, stoked, because, like, literally all I was doing was making films in high school. And, like, most of 
the students I was in school with kind of sucked. There was a student that was better than me that had just like graduated when yeah. I when I was starting there, so I still had a chip on my shoulder and someone to beat. But um, oh sorry about no that. no I'll worries. I know those come on the Apple. Uh, That's Martin Dudzik, right? Yeah, I mean he was yeah, and then so what happened was. Um, uh, I sorry. You read a text and you're thinking about no. I'm not gonna think about. it. No, you can think about. I mean, it's fine. No, you don't have to talk. It's all good. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Uh, Anyways, yeah. yeah, And so I I wanted to do this 48 hour film competition. I did one with just like my closest friends first the first year. Pharaoh's misfortune. No, no. Before that, we did one. Oh yeah. And um, it was like this one where I was like a hippie at a pawn shop (laughs) and Melissa Dow's in it. Right, 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 right. Um. And so we made we made this film and it wasn't good, but it was so exciting to see my stuff on the big screen and be like, oh my gosh, like right. look at the people uh, that are, you know, watching my film. And I wasn't we weren't the worst film, which was like an exciting thing. We weren't the best. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, we we did it every year of my high school, and like eventually I was winning prizes and like was always like placing, and I was like, yeah. oh hell yeah! And then it just kind of disappeared, and like I knew how important it was to um to have that oh i have a do not disturb button here i'm gonna hit it mm-hmm. sorry i'm getting like texts <laughs> no no worries are they urgent because i mean we could always pause this as well um oh boy i'm <laughs> it's parental things no worries yeah uh i mean you could pause the recording and why don't we pause it for a second should, yeah attend to it okay we're getting to a good place where to, where's the pause button? I'm going to hit stop and we'll just make it two takes. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, the first time I heard about... Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, you'd already gotten past that. And I think it's okay. So we just took a break. We'll just write it into the episode. Um, and you were talking about 48-hour film festivals and you were just excited to see your movies on the big screen. Yeah. Which is great. Um, so let's... I'm trying to, I want to get to some stuff that people probably haven't heard about you before, you know, and I'm like, without like digging you a hole, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, um, but well, yeah, so I find that interesting, um, that you, you started to get like rewards, like slowly, like you did one that wasn't the best, it wasn't the worst. And then you did another one that was a bit better. I and think then, we got best student film the second year or film, something, right. yeah, which yeah. they like made up that award. Although I feel like we were top three. I was yeah. like, you fuckers. No, absolutely. Yeah. You kind of felt bad for like not placing properly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Let's okay. Let's skip then to taking my parents to Burning Man. All right. Well, ironically or not i mean maybe not ironic um that's been my day a lot of it um yeah still we're we're publicly releasing it on youtube we've decided friday we decided it this morning oh wow um i mean the film kind of doesn't owe me anything anymore but um yeah basically the film itself was originally a school project that like yeah myself and and bryant spry bry were working on and uh we he basically pitched the idea to me of like hey i want to take a film i want to make a film where like uh we take my parents to burning man and it's mm-hmm. going to be a documentary right and it's going to you know be deep and it's going to be called burning boundaries 
Burning. <laughs> okay, that was the original title. I see that, that was the the title. That's a new piece of information. I didn't that's know. the title he pitched to me, and I was like, that title sucks so much. <laughs> and like, yeah. And and you know, it was yeah. And then I kind of just like, I'm like, this premise is interesting enough. Let's just make it taking my parents to Burning Man. And it's been so nice to like have a film title that also pitches the film for you. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, because you, in your class, you had a lot of really interesting folks. Uh, you had Rory Tucker, of course. Yeah. Uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero, um, my friend and collaborator, Raylan Gladue. He was yeah. not there for the whole program, of course. He was there for, I think, the first year, maybe the second year, too? Or no, yeah. maybe he did Cine in the second year. It, but what made you, especially near the end of your film school career, like gravitate towards working with Bry? You guys seem like an odd couple. Yeah, I think like so in term three we had to do these like little um these little like one minute films each week and mm-hmm. me and Bry could make each other laugh and we had both different weird senses of humor and yeah. it was very much that like improv yes and kind of vibe and so, you know, you'd have this kernel of an idea and also like Bryant was also like a yes person, which I kind of like into yeah, a certain yeah. degree, like to surround myself with, but he also like has, you know, he go beats by his own drum yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But like, as far as like, I mean, there was some, some things that we did where like, what, I mean, this is terrible. Uh, I mean, it was just for one <laughs> shot, one shot in one of these one minute films. I mean, he got a glove and there was a dead raccoon on the road and he like, yeah picks it up for one shot yeah. that like that I, <laughs> cuts into the episode <laughs> and and everyone was just like like what the hell just happened when that played in class i and, remember that thing was dripping oh it was bad i no, mean i mean it's just it was already dead it's not like you, you guys killed the raccoon no no we were we we're you know giving it one last honorable uh, credit you know yeah absolutely you were, you we're, were making, making it a star post-mortem more than just a dead raccoon yeah yeah so maybe that was part of what appealed to you about working with bry too was that he, he i think a lot of people in film they they have these internalized like boundaries and he was willing to go all the way no matter what it was yeah and also like i always kind of saw myself as like kind of like a goofball type thing and mm-hmm. like bry made me feel like the organized producer which i didn't love playing that role yeah. i mean i think i am a lot more of that like fucking camp dad than yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it's definitely a problem where like no no, yeah. no one could have fun until everything is set up we all gotta work no, no, I mean, I get that, but I mean, that works for you on set, right? That's pr- where you're most comfortable, right? Because the set is structured as a di- dictatorship. Yeah. Of the, the director's, well, I mean, once you're on set, right? It's the producer's domain outside of those boundaries. But when you're on set, everybody kind of has to listen to you. Yeah, I mean, theoretically. I mean, yeah, I mean, ideally, you want to be a certain level of um, collaborative, but you, I think you definitely, I am a believer that you need someone to be like, yes that no to that yes and this mm-hmm. you know even even if you're just saying like yes and no's i mean if, if everything is like if there's no filtration of ideas i think you, you just get chaos right and like absolutely and i, I think I, I usually have like a relatively clear picture i had no clear picture with taking my parents to burning man because right. i'd never done a documentary of that caliber and uh honestly it was yeah, would you have said yes to it uh, if you knew uh, what you would go through <laughs> beforehand? 
I mean, I just said yes to something where I know I'm going to be like regretting right. it because it de- definitely seems less cushy than taking yeah. my parents' right. sperm, which was not cushy at all. No, I yeah. Mean, I, 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 I'm really thankful for the experience and it was like really, I mean, it was so cool because like the film, mm-hmm. people loved it. It was uh, a film that like by the end of making it, I was so like done with the film. Like I just, yeah. I couldn't even watch it. Like after the first world premiere, after that I would leave the theater and I, and I, I think I've watched it like in its entirety since like only a few times. I think right. I, I would sit through my second feature, I would sit through almost all of them because I loved the crowd reactions. But there was something about taking my parents to Burning Man where I'm like, oh, man, this thing nearly killed me. <laughs> I'm going to go have a drink and I'll be back for the Q&A at, like, whatever this time. Hmm. Okay, so let's think about this. Uh, so you uh, you were making Taking My Parents to Burning Man, like, around the time when you were, like, having, like, a person, Like, you, you had just finished film school. Yeah. And you were having, like, a personal... I would say awakening. I mean, in line with mine, I guess that was around the time when you first started experimenting with psychedelics and things like that. Yeah, I was experimenting with psychedelics. I was getting into weird sex things. I yeah. was, um, you know, things that were in line with Burning Man, right? Yeah, I mean, like the first time I ever heard about Burning Man was at like this. I mean, there's two times, two two first times, and 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 I, I kind of forgot the first, and then there was the other. But uh, I was at a church. Uh, Jesus camp type thing that my aunt took me to in in Northern California and which this this camp ended up inspiring a different film of mine but the first time the the pastor there was insane and he was like shouting homophobic rhetoric and the response to his like shit that he was just spewing out of his face was like a crowd of people being like yeah praise lord and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh shit I've gone to I've made a bad turn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Not to cut you off because I want you to continue that, but Bryant also had to go to Jesus camp. So that was another kind of yeah. connective piece of tissue you guys had. Yeah, we both we both kind of had a bit of a, a Christian-y upbringing and stuff like that. And, and we're kind of trying to figure out who we were outside of what we've been indoctrinated because there's a lot of years where, you know, when you grow up in a Christian thing, people are telling you exactly how you need to think. Right. And that's like, it's 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 really stressful when you're in it because you want to be like a part of the group and stuff like that but you also then have moments where you like go home and you're like wait what they said that but Mm -hmm. anyways this pastor at this jesus camp was all of a sudden like talking about this uh horrific place where they burn idols and have orgies in the desert and it's like this satan thing um and it was like the Satan festival where everyone worships Satan for a week and it's called Burning Man and we need to stop it was like part of their mission. And I was right. like, oh, Burning Man. Like, wasn't that that thing that was on the Malcolm in the Middle episode once? And that was like my connective yeah, yeah. tissues of like learning about Burning Man. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the guy also had this whole tangent about like, how like Hillary Clinton wants everyone to get abortions. I mean, it was like weird. And this, this was, was at a this was at a time where like she yeah. 
No, I think no, I think it was like it was like 2015. So wait, two, no, couldn't have. No, been. no, 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 no not 15. T- I mean, I was 15 in 2005. So was this even when she was running against Obama, or was this no? Just like, this is like pre. But I think it's just she like was, a time where they wanted to hate on Hillary Clinton. I mean, she was in the news again, I think, because she was a New York like senator, right? And, okay. Or she, you know, I mean, she was always in the news. She was fam- She's been famous our whole lives. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me, right? But those were like kind of the the takeaways was like. You know, we need to heal the gays is one thing he said. Yeah. He said uh, the Burning Man is like where Satan goes to be Satan or something like that. And then that Hillary Clinton wants you all to have abortions. And that was all I really remember from Jesus Camp. No, yeah, no. I mean, those things, all those things. Oh, and everyone speaking in tongues. That was new to me. Right, right, right. The evangelical, like, the the, the rock concert, like. uh... Yeah. Like kind of like righteous gemstonesy vibe, but with people speaking in tongues, it was weird. Yeah, or that scene in Borat where he goes to the event. Yeah, actually, yeah. That, that that's that's probably the most. I mean, it, it's one of those things you almost like block in your head because you're like, yeah, oh, you no, think about that. I remember our Christian friends, you know, who by the way, like are quite lovely, quite lovely people. I mean, uh, really, no disrespect. There's kind of, I think that there's dark aspects to every light and dark aspects to everything that has that wide of a net like i've become a lot more sort of accepting as i've gotten older and i definitely like i have a lot of respect and love for our friends who have stayed christian since high school although okay the church that they used to go to yeah, okay. okay i gotta talk okay. some shit okay, okay okay i went to their youth group a few times no but that's uh, yeah because i went to youth group with them too yeah and, and like okay so the guy that runs it i won't name drop him yeah but my God, he was like forcing like everyone to like make purity pledges and was so fucking obsessed with like us boys all staying virgins. Yes. He yes. was so obsessed with it and it was so uncomfortable. And then, and then flash forward, this guy <laughs> fucking every time he dates a girl for like three dates, like literally <laughs> numerous times since yeah. I since then that I've known him, he gets engaged one month after yeah. dating. And then it was like, this is the love of my life, et cetera. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's so fucking horny and so sex obsessed. He just <laughs> wants all the kids. No one have sex. I got to have sex, but I got to do it the right Christian way. I remember they took me. So it was just this thing where they tried to make it like as appealing to kids as possible, you know. So in their annex or whatever, they had a, uh, a Pro- rock concert. Oh, yeah. You know, the Christian rock, right? And then they separated the boys and the girls. And the boys went to the basement. The girls stayed upstairs in the annex or whatever. And to us, they said, don't don't take anybody to prom. Go with your friends, you know? <laughs> and then one kid who, like, I really felt bad. This kid with, like, a learning disability who was, like, talking with a slur that I'm not going to, like, you know? And the guy's like, no. <laughs> Unless you intend to marry that girl. It's a distraction. It's a distraction from, from your higher calling. Now, are you willing to make a commitment to Jesus or not? You know, like, are like life is about commitments. Like, you understand? You know, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like this kid, this kid is like, he just he he wants to believe that love is possible for him. You know? Yeah. No, I. And I, that's what all young people want, right? Oh, I remember. Okay, can I just bring yeah, up yeah. another yeah, church sure. story that I've never told? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so when I was in church growing up, like Columbine had happened, and I was young, right? Yeah. And I just remember the pastor like telling us all, and I swear I must have been like six or seven or I don't know. I, I don't know the exact date, but he was talking about like, so there was a girl at Columbine where the shooter was like, 
if you're a Christian, like stand up and like, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up shooting this girl and killing her. And he's like, who here is brave enough to stand up for Christianity right. at gunpoint? And it was like this whole thing of like, you got to be able to. And yeah. so they're like glorifying this fucking yeah, high Mar- school shooting victim. And it's like, if she just sat her ass down, she'd probably be alive. You know, you know what? I actually, I can't remember. I listened to a podcast about that um, where they talked about how there was myths about the Columbine shooting. And one of them was that story. Wait, so that story wasn't true? It's not true. No. Mother- At- they use that as fucking psychological <laughs> to seven-year-olds. No, 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 no. So it was true that he went up to a girl and he he was like, uh, "Do you believe in God?" And she said, um, "She said no, actually. She actually, oh, she didn't." And and he let her live because, but not because like I, I I can't remember what they were trying to say. Like they don't they don't even know for sure. These are still just anecdotes, right? Yeah. And there wasn't like voice recordings on the videos that they got. But from the anecdotes from other people who survived, they were just asking weird-ass rhetorical questions to everybody, and, and it was completely random whether or not they killed them. Like, they were just enjoying fucking with people. E. So so it wasn't even a moral test or anything like that, right? And the, from what I know, the person that they asked a religious question to totally abandoned the God. To, like, she did the, the what I would consider sane thing, right? Well, I mean, I, mean, I just was... In the scenario, I just don't stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. No, no, but it wasn't even, yeah, just, but the point remains that they're glorifying martyrdom, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's weird, the idea that you glorify martyrdom to young kids. And I was young when I was exposed to that idea. Yeah, and also, like, I don't know, I just think, like, I just listened to that audiobook of that uh, Nickelodeon actress. Yeah? Uh, who... Did you pay full price for it, and it wasn't a torrent at all? Yeah. Okay, good. No, no, I did. I have a... Just kidding, I, no, I'm no, just being an ass. No, 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 I, um... Oh, was it Audible credit that you had left over? Not left over. No, I pay for Audible. I, I, I listen to an audiobook every month. Yeah. Thanks. And I pay I, for it. I yeah. pay 50. I always forget that I have the, the credits, and then I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. No, they're good. I mean, I, I truly, I love listening to audiobooks. Like, I think it's better than podcasts, to be honest. Cause, yeah, because I mean, it's focused. Well, because it's, fo- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's focused and somebody put a lot of work and effort into researching it and recording it properly, you know? Like, it's not, like, this is just, like, fucking flying off the cuff, the same kind of talk we would have if we were just kind of, like, watching TV and zoning out, right? Yeah, I mean, I've already had a joint. Yeah, exactly. Beer, yeah, yeah. beer is, two. Yeah, this, so this is... But that's like, you know, people research and they put time into getting their words right. Yeah. I just think, like, turn this off and listen to an audiobook. <laughs> it's, it's true. What's so, your favorite audiobook? Um, favorites are, uh, well, one of my favorite. We have an, a same favorite. We yeah. both love The Disaster Artist. Oh, it's such a good audiobook. Way, yeah. Way I mean, better. we've probably already heard either of us bitch about the movie, but the audiobook yeah. is like, it's so good. What? Well, the the movie cut beyond the other issues with it which i've already complained about enough is it cuts out half the story and yeah. and the second half of the story really deepens and humanizes the character we needed more franco yeah. is what you're saying well yeah exactly we needed him to go like deeper into character that's and then it would have been fine so everybody kind of knows that after taking my parents to burning man you made shooting the musical it went to whistler and it went to like that's already been online for a while. Yeah, I mean it. I mean it was. I mean we had a distributor that is like the literal devil, and they've bungled a bunch of other films. And, yeah, you know it was a film that like 
realistically not many people wanted to touch because we made i mean it's 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 a it's a self-aware film i'm real i'm real proud of it it's got a few jokes where i'm like ooh, wouldn't wouldn't tell that spicy meatball today but um as far as like comedies with with jokes go that that have been made locally i still think it stands like pretty great in the crowd and and uh well, it was important to you, I think, that you made your first narrative feature before a certain age, too, right? Yeah, I mean, I always felt like I was like going to die at a certain time or something like that. Like, I felt like I was really in a rush, and yeah, and re- reasonably so, because if I had a kid before, like, you know, I was making so much content before I had a kid, and it was yeah. like, and then you gotta just slow down just a little bit there. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, it's not just like you that slowed down and the world did yeah. i mean yes of course you did i mean a lot has changed since harambe died and that was around the same time as yeah yeah no i mean i know your, your kid's middle name to me will always be harambe regardless of what anybody thinks or approves of at the current time of this podcast joel was currently in trouble for uh showing bowie the video of harambe yeah <laughs> I did, I you were the it. one who brought it up. He I wanted, brought it up. He, yeah. He just had so many questions the next day about Harambe. Well, he was and he's just, like, whoa, tell I, me more about this ape. It's just like, I was calling him Bowie Harambe McCarthy. Sasha was starting to call him Bo Harambe. I thought I owed it to him to give him some context on his whole yeah. thing, you know? What's the deal with the Harambe? Yeah, what's the deal with Harambe? And then, I I mean, I don't know. Like, am I, would I show him the video uh or <laughs> oh, no. so i'm i'm no no no, no i mean it's no, not no, that no, no, you don't you don't see you don't see harambe get assassinated you see the, the yeah. kid get dragged a bit i guess no it's a scary image i don't know um i don't know i i actually probably would have shown it to i i don't know what i would do if i had a kid uh i i think your kid's hilarious he's he's a he's a pretty pretty cool he's a pretty cool kid yeah you know he's almost six He'll yeah. tell everyone he's five and three quarters. I just didn't want to get his uh, fractions all messed you know, up. Eleven twelfths. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a little too complicated for him, but he'll get there. No, he's really cool. He's really smart and he's really funny. Um, and he's uh, he wants to be funny. Like yeah, he he loves getting reactions from people. He loves getting reactions from people. He's definitely a performer. He likes being recorded. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. He really seems to think that acting is lame, but like wants everything adjacent to it to be a part of it. Like he wants to make little videos. He keeps telling me all the time that I need to make the the Minecraft film that has yeah. not been made yet. Right. Yeah. No, I mean he I think he, he he's got that contrarian streak that all kids have, I think, right? Where he if you tell yeah. him that he should do something, he's going to say no. Yeah. it's the whole inception thing where you, you got to make him believe he came up with the idea you know that's the trick yeah i mean it's not easy but yeah it's i mean it's a really fun period i mean the first the first like the first five eight months of a child's life is so much work and it is yeah. the absolute worst like I, any parent who's like this is the part i love you're like no you fucking no, don't you know. get some sleep and you'll realize that no but like this is a period that's really fun mm-hmm. and you know there are pros and cons to co-parenting um but it's all in all i honestly do think that co-parenting is the bomb i love how i get to be a degenerate half the week and then the other half the week be yeah you're here Mr. right Dad. now yeah yeah 
Exactly. And you guys are going uh, to... Uh, is he decided on the zoo or the, the dinosaurs for next week? I think he wants... Uh, for you guys are going out a road trip to Calgary. I don't want to talk about going to the zoo because it's less... Uh, it's not cool anymore. It's bad for the animals. Oh, the Calgary Zoo is bad? For, I don't know which I mean, I think all good. zoos are bad, aren't they? Aren't they? Um, I, don't I know. know. I don't know. Isn't like the aquarium here good, but SeaWorld is bad? Yeah, I mean, it's like, all... Like, aren't there some places that are, kept, kept, like... Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a tough thing to navigate. I, I, I feel like... I don't know. I Isn't everything essentially bad? Like... I mean, I mean, the fact that we're going on a road trip is just, like, the idea of burning gas to, to, to move around the, the yeah, country no. for no reason. Every, I mean, everything's fucked up. I mean, you took your kid to Disneyland, and they're, like, single-handedly, like, homogenizing and destroying the entertainment landscape. Yeah, I know. So, but, like, what, what can't you spin in a way that's negative? I mean, but have you been on their new Star Wars ride? I don't even like Star Wars, and I was like, this is a great fucking ride. Yeah, yeah, it's a sequel ride, too, but it's incredible. So. Yeah. I mean, it's based on your favorite Star Wars movie. You'd fucking love it. I know. No, I'm aware that it's based on The Last Jedi, which is the best. And I know. And I've given you the beat for beat of the ride. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, there's. it's also online and stuff. Like, I would love to go, but I just hate lot. I can't, like, justify going to Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a it's a city. It exists. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like, it's like if you like, if you, if you buy into a lot of the things that people like about Los Angeles, like, the one thing I can say is that I like Mexican food. Yeah, I mean, it's better in Mexico. No, I know, I but mean, I mean... I'm, less, I'm gonna... less of a roll of the dice of how your digestive system will treat it, but... It's just like on that coat, like, we've driven down it together, as a matter of fact, and yeah. I just, like, if I'm gonna go, I'll go to the Oregon coast, or I'll go to mid to northern California with all the wineries and with the mid-temperatures, and you can go to Yosemite. There's so many... Why the fuck would I go to the desert that's on the ocean that's gonna make me feel too warm all the time, and then surrounded by all these people that i hate and this culture that i despise but you might see gary Busey walking down the street and that's what makes it worth it like (laughs) i think that there's like i just listened so i just listened to that audiobook that nickelodeon actress uh from i'm doing the rob lowe one you're doing the rob lowe one (laughs) yeah oh cool good that's great we started in the and sasha had it on her phone no yeah yeah no that i mean but it, i don't there's a specific thing about like the entertainment industry like hollywood stories or whatever that yeah. makes me feel uncomfortable like there's a specific tinge of discomfort that i feel oh there's a bunch of that in the rob Lowe film and it has the audiobook it has not changed i'm i'm, I'm i want to listen to that one because i think it's a good contrast hearing like the female perspective also like 20 years later than like because his is like the stories of like shooting the outsiders and shit like that right yeah because i just feel like like the things like the the god the the auditions the the sitting in rooms with a series of clones of yourself the body enhancements and dysmorphia and everything like it gives me this like there's this aspect to the entertainment industry as portrayed in hollywood that i've kind of gotten used to that it feels like the uncanny valley to me are androids it gives me that same like sickness to my stomach you know what i mean yeah i mean i went to a few film festivals there with like taking my parents burning man and after film school and it honestly it was i mean the thing that that drove me crazy was like it just it just felt like there wasn't very many genuine people and then i yeah. did, i did meet like one or no i met like there's like three that i really i mean none of them were from la originally that I like really gravitated to 
but like everyone else it was like the same kind of thing and like I I mean I also felt really weird with like what because I was also like hanging with this fest with the, like especially taking my parents to Burning Man we got into like a lot of fests that had like celebrities and stuff yeah, like that yeah, yeah. and so we were in the same room um, and a lot of times and it was just like weird to see like the levels of entitlement yeah. it's interesting the most entitled um actor i came across on the circuit was uh from bc uh, <laughs> a, you know a yeah. c-list actor i mean a solid c-list i mean maybe c minus wait i mean are you talking about on the global scale or I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't recognize know. them, but the other people recognize that name and and make. Yeah, they make Google, especially locally. Yeah, maybe it's just a local thing. Anyways, I don't know. yeah. But like, I got to see that guy. Um, I think we're thinking about the same person. Yeah, we, 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 being I like, we're... I don't stand in lines, and then meanwhile, I'm like standing behind. What's that? Fuck! I really like that actor. He's like really big guy. Rob Riggles, Riggle? yeah, Rob Riggle, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I'm like, like standing behind him in a long lineup. Definitely, too, he's honestly of the famous people I've been around. I was like too chicken shit to talk to him, which he seems like he'd be an easy. Yeah, yeah, guy. he'd be like, hey, what's going on, man? I, I just think he's really funny and he's so great. Oh. Yeah, so I'm like standing in like the same line as him. He's like mm-hmm. in front of me, and then like this like local BC actor in fucking LA yeah. is like, I don't wait in line, and goes to the front, and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's very hard to not talk about people's names and stuff, but I mean I I'm definitely diplomatic. I'm diplomatic. Yeah, I still have a career. It, yeah, I know. Well, I'm, I have a career too. I, I I don't know. Like, what does a career even fucking mean? I have no today? idea. I'm about to shoot reality TV and in the worst yeah, scenario like, ever. Like, I'm not trying so. to like denigrate you. I just mean that I think the meaning <laughs> of the word career is like very strange now. No, I know. I'm. A- <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that for a long time we've been decoupling what we do for money from our uh, meaning of life by necessity. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's awesome when that thing that gives you money ends up being something that you're proud of. And I think like the, like the, the uh, I am Alfred Hitchcock doc that's on, yeah. on Crave on right Crave. now. Yeah. I think it's coming out to HBO Max. I had a weird Google alert that said that. Oh, okay. Um, cool. I don't know but it hasn't been substantiated anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, like that one was definitely a job and I had to deal with a lot of job like BS. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? This, this turned out to be all right. I feel like I can stand by this film. There was definitely moments where I felt like I couldn't, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you, um, <laughs> when you pitched, uh, what's it called? Um, shooting the musical, somebody said to you that we know joel what are you are you crazy you're a documentary filmmaker oh yeah <laughs> and it, but in terms of like uh, i of course like most of our collaborations have been shorts and they yeah. have uh web series but as far as features go you're now more a documentary filmmaker <laughs> than not right and you've I made mean, two do- feature documentaries one narrative feature and you're about to embark on a documentary television series yeah i mean i think ultimately the issue is that like doc is a lot of like the bread and butter like i think the the thing is like yeah i mean i tell my students this all the time and this is why i kind of want to break into the genre space because people will not go see your film if you don't have stars if you've made a comedy or a drama and like yeah there are very few exceptions if it's gay you will i mean yeah. <laughs> no i <laughs> mean like... of, i mean that's that's part of it i mean like the thing is 
in general, you know, listener, think about like the last 10 comedies you watched. How many of them had zero stars? How many of the last yeah. 10 dramas or whatever, right? So um, that being said, if, uh, you know, a horror film has an interesting enough premise, people will jump on board. We've all watched horror right. films um, without stars. And then the only, you know, the other space that, that is, is worthy to think about is docs. Like, yeah. Even even the you know a lot of the times the stars of the docs are nobodies, but you mm. know by the end they they mean so much to you and and uh, yeah, and we're willing to get like we watch docs because of the premise, right? Right. And if you got a good premise, like taking my parents to Burning Man, you know yeah. that premise I did not like that was Bryant's pitch. I mean that was kind of the premise of the Malcolm Middle episode. Whether that was derivative or not is a whole different story, but well what's not derivative is actually being there right yeah and i was like fuck yeah like that sounds like a good movie and so like that that i could get it on board with yeah i can't remember what my original thought is no but i mean no yeah to to substantiate your point too if you're looking because i work you know i work at the largest rental house in town not Um, to brag (laughs) i mean I, i didn't make it the largest rental house in town i'm just a floor employee no, but no, he got there and they're like we made it yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's we got mike doga working for us now suck a dick what is uh, oh shit why am i i feel like i'm it's worse that i'm blanking on the competitors oh yeah uh well whatever What's the, you know anyways a backlot and like anyways they, they've sponsored running gun i should probably yeah. not but that was the one i was thinking of yeah but backlot's great like they're all great they're they great. are all vital um that was my whites impression yeah exactly yeah totally <laughs> which which william f white is also great yeah, William F., they're all, they all make it so that our local industry runs, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's like we all know um, that the majority of the work that gets done in this town are from Shmishmubaliu and, like, the, the, the Hallmark arena, right? And if you're going to have a choice, you know, of director for hire gigs between directing a Hallmark movie and directing a documentary about Alfred Hitchcock, like, it's a no-brainer. I mean, honestly... The idea of directing a documentary feature about Alfred Hitchcock gave me so much anxiety. Yeah. I don't think I would have had near the... I mean, I would have, like, moral anxiety about doing a schmall mark. Um, yeah. But I feel like the idea of, like... Yeah. Hey, uh, half of the film geeks, this is your favorite director, and this is this, like, comedy director doing, like, a fucking movie about his life. And... I mean, I, I definitely think it's the funniest feature about Alfred Hitchcock that exists. I mean, it, it's the film that I would want to watch is ultimately yeah, what I made. Absolutely. You know what I think is funny, too? And I think that we're actually allowed to talk about this because, you know, she's like persona non grata in the film industry, right? Is that you got the one and only time you've ever been fired off of a job to talk about Hallmark <laughs> was because of Lori Laughlin. I mean, I haven't said her name out loud, but yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, I mean, she's like she's persona non grata in the in the entertainment. I mean, they never paid me, but I did spend. Which is bullshit. They should have paid me some <laughs> money, uh, but I did. I did sign an NDA, but no, I got hired right before Rachel was about to give birth to Bowie, so I was like desperate for money. I got this job doing uh, EPK videos for. Um, a, I mean, since we've already kind of name dropped, it, it's like a, it's like a Hallmark series about like she solves mysteries by like thrifting or garage garage sale mysteries. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, anyways, so it was like <laughs> their like sixth version of it. It's like Garage Sale Mystery Six. Rob Schneider is yeah. Yeah, she is the face of Garage Sale Mystery. Yeah, so my job was to like make internet videos that they could post leading up to it. So obviously, I had to um, interview Miss Lori Lachlan. Um, you know who I knew from Full House, and so yeah, <laughs> yeah just... and leading up to it, you even told me you're like, "Hey, man, I'm interviewing Aunt Becky," and this was like before we had met any bigger celebrities, too. Yeah, I so... mean, I mean, I had, I had met some. I mean, I, I, mean, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, interviewed bigger celebrities at this point in time, so I was like, pretty like, oh yeah. god, gotta seem like a pro. So I had one interview with her, and then she went to the producer right after and was like. You have me doing 15 page days as an actor and you want me to do EPK interviews, which were not in my contract. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> and like, which, which honestly, yeah. as an actor, if you have to do 15 page days, that's like real fucking tough work. That's a lot to memorize. And I, and I do understand where she's coming from. I did not know that it was not cleared with her. She had not talked yeah. about it. And it was not something that that company had done really before. So... The producer just like basically went up to me and was like, "Sorry, bud, uh, this is our bad. Uh, you just wanna, why don't you just format that card and head on out of here?" Eh? And I was like, "Oh, okay." And it's just like such an embarrassing walk of shame because like I also knew <laughs> some people on the crew and I felt like, and I was also like, like two months away from my child being born, trying to like squirrel <laughs> yeah, up as much money, money as possible. possible. So I've said no to everyone for this like two and a half three weeks thinking that this contract was going to give me x amount of dollars and it was like yeah those actually those were dull hairs <laughs> and then i was like oh fuck <laughs> so yeah Lori so, lachlan if you're listening i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> it happened so i got fucking deserved it <laughs> no one listens to fan shitty anyways i can say this <laughs> I've got three bullet points actually for 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 like what we what we should talk about before the end. Of All this. right. So the first thing is, like, <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Lori. But at the same time, like, fu well, fuck you, Lori. It was so funny when that was like the face of the scandal. I was like, oh, queen. Yeah. I've signed an there's NDA, like, yeah, yeah, but there's like that personal pettiness, but there's also <laughs> that like. That other side of the coin where it's just like, she's like, what, like a low-level millionaire doing Hallmark movies? Yeah. Like, and she, she's the one that's taking the, the weight of, like, corruption and education? Like, yeah. while while the fucking president won't cancel student loans? <laughs> yeah. Even though he said he would at least cancel 10 grand? You know? Yeah. Or, and while billionaires can get their kids in, like, to any school they want? Like, so... Have like, we not been dating all of freshman year? Like, I'm just like, I think about, like, the millionaire celebrities that get caught for things that, like, 100 millionaires and billionaires can... Like, Nancy Pelosi is obviously insider trading. Oh, yeah. Night and day. But Martha Stewart, you know, she had to do hard time. Yeah, how... I don't understand how the, the Martha Stewart versus Nancy Pelosi thing, but, I mean, I understand where it kind of comes from, but, like... Yeah, because she knew the stock market was going to go down with COVID. She dumped everything. Oh like, yeah, the day before no, it's the so... stock market crashed, and it was like, 
you think you might have known something? And it's yeah. like, oh, we don't talk about that. Martha Stewart, though. But, I mean, I, I'm loving the Martha yeah, renaissance, Mar- yeah, though. The, like, it's, it's worth it. Her friendship with Snoop Dogg Snoop, and her yeah. roast like, and everything. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, if that if that's what it takes to make her brand, like, hell yeah. yeah. And, like, Bic fucking being her, I mean. Yeah. But, but the point is, is, like, Lori, like, I just yeah. want you to know, like, you know, I'd still hit, and like I think that you were, Jeez. I think I think that you were a sacrificial lamb for a much bigger cabal, you know. Um, uh, but also, you did fuck over my friend, so you know. I mean, I just it would have been like it was a time where like a few. Uh, I think it was just gonna be like two or three grand. It wasn't like yeah. a huge gig, but like yeah. I was no, working no. as a freelancer then. And it would have meant a lot. It was it was just such a humiliating blow, like. To walk home after that, or not walk home, I drove home, I'm an adult, but to drive home after that and then be like, hey, um, so that money that we thought was coming in, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's depressing, man. I'm like, I mean, I'm glad I'm in a better financial situation than I was then, but at that time, it was like devastating. Yeah. I was really legitimately upset with Hannah Becky. Yeah, no, it's the intersection, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm talking about the relationship between Aunt Becky and billionaires, but then there's also the relationship between Aunt Becky and regular people, you know, and it's, uh, okay, I have two things that I want to talk about before the, so this is, yeah, is, so, number one, uh, the influence of drugs on your life and career. Um, Oh, my. You're known as a, uh, and then the second thing is the Gotham Awards because we kept talking about our intersections with celebrity and whatever um and that's kind of something that we experienced together but first we'll talk about the drugs yeah right so when you're in high school your parents made you a deal yes that if you did not smoke weed for your entire senior year of high school <laughs> no, no, would... no 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 my, my the original deal was if i didn't smoke any weed in high school at all i'd get a thousand dollars and then the issue was <laughs> They proposed that to us when I was like in grade nine and I'm like, yeah, I've already smoked weed. I didn't tell them that, but yeah. I was like, I'm just going to take the L. Yeah. <laughs> like, so my sister and brother both like did it. And then I got busted in grade 12, the beginning of it, or maybe the end of grade. I think it was the end of grade 11. It was the Tenacious D concert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was right, right around then. Because right. that was like the, my last like real weed smoking. So it was like right after the Tenacious D concert. Yeah, okay. I smoked weed like the next day and then left my new bong out that was a fashioned out of a miracle um, whip jar that I bought at a store that like said miracle hits on it. Oh, man. And it was like my first like bought bong. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I yeah, stupidly yeah. like smoked it and then left it behind this beside the, the side of the house. And I've never to this day gotten a straight answer of what happened to that bong. I'm real upset about it because like now my parents know I'm a stoner. But yeah, yeah. at that point, um, they busted me. Tears were cried, and cause my mom's like really like anti drug or was. I mean, she still kind of is, but she, yeah, my mom she loves me. Yeah, um, and so it was like this whole thing, and then eventually, we we made a deal where it was like, hey, okay, if you can go all the way to graduating, um, we'll give you five hundred dollars. And I was at that time, I was like, you know what, I had tried it. I went through my entire 
grade 12 year without smoking any weed and then the day i wrote my final last exam i was like so mom am i getting that money soon and she was like um how about we do it so you get the money at the end of the summer i was like oh hell no that was not our deal no no i was good i want that 500 bucks now and she's like okay fine and then like literally that day i bought a bong and weed yeah with the money that you gave me i mean it just see i mean like i'm like oh i've been out of the game for a year what's 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 happening yeah no but that's the whole thing right and that bong's still around it's i saw it i think it's just on the the thing on that that that, uh short like purple bong you have it's it's like black yeah yeah like black but it has like squiggles on it yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm kind of afraid to smoke it right now without like giving it a good like isopropyl yeah, clean, yeah. but yeah, it's still around. And that's it. That's I mean, you were you're spend more time thinking about weed than you spend. Well, I I was not gonna say like you spend a lot of time. Th- you grow, you know, you spend a lot of time. I mean, thinking about weed now. I think I think like I I don't know I always like I did enjoy it the few times I smoked it, but I, honestly, like I really loved stoner comedy since the beginning right yeah like, i we would me and nick the guy across the street from me we'd we'd rent like cheech and chong yeah and when like harold and kumar came yeah. out and things like that it was just like it was just so to us it, it just really connected in certain ways and i know i love the culture too this was my problem right is that i loved everything about what was sold to me as being a stoner and then when i smoked it like it totally just did not do it for me how would you like to think about all of the mistakes you've made it's not even it's just it got me to this really abstract strange place in my brain that i did not like like to visit you know like very scary but i mean you know like yeah i i wanted the identity of the stoner without uh like having an existential crisis every time i smoked so yeah but no i i, I mean I, I i'm working on my relationship with weed now i mean i love i love growing it i mean I, i'm pretty not as shy about that like mm-hmm. i think that there's just so much it, it's such interesting plant science and like you know i'm growing five different strains of tomatoes right now and they're they still aren't as interesting as the different strains of, of cannabis i've grown but uh right no of course not yeah yeah i mean it's just so fun to grow something that also has like a reward and stuff like that and i just i mean i think for me i just have a really hard time turning off my brain when i go to bed at night and it's nice to just like smoke a thing that just like relaxes me a little bit i mean there's there's still certain strains that make me like right think about all the time i've been a shitty person and i think sometimes it's okay to think about those things but yeah you or smoking weed that's making you, you know, feel bad all the time. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> so it is yeah. the strain, bro. Pick it a is. different one. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, <laughs> or or no, whatever it is. No, you know? I mean, you know, anyway, sometimes it's just a different drug altogether. You yeah, know? Like, every I mean, person's experience yeah. is so different. I mean, I know that, like, I've never had a categorically bad experience on mushrooms. I've had parts of trips that were bad, but not a whole bad trip. Yeah, I've definitely had bits and pieces, but I feel like overall, yeah. m- when I did mushrooms at like twenty with with you and uh, Jer Bear yeah. at, at your place for New Year's Eve, that was like a big day where I was like, yeah, something has changed. The yeah. whole world is a bit different, and 
honestly, I do think that hallucinogen taking a hallucinogenic drug every you know year, six months, or something like that. Whenever you need it, yeah, is is like really good for just keeping some level of sanity and and starting to like have a balanced look at life. I think yeah that I'm starting to kind of. I mean, I don't know. Like, I always reevaluate my experience with antidepressants, for instance, because I'm on them. They're serotonergic drugs, and ultimately, psychedelics are as well. Hell um, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't really matter, but yeah. Um, I just wonder, like, the way that I've come off of them and gone back on them, it really seems like my brain needs whatever they provide, but it's also just like maybe if I taper off of them and try... A therapeutic dose of mdma for instance or whatever like there's all of these things that have not like science has not found the the way to properly like uh sort of like use yeah i mean i mean they're, they're it's starting to become yeah. allowed and stuff like that i mean mdma is a lot of fun but i still have troubles with the the hangover yeah I mean, the depression over. I mean, the first two times I did it, I felt like the most... Dep- I was like... I, I felt... The first times I felt like like suicide was a thing that like yeah. was an option. And like that scared the shit out of me. I don't know why I was so depressed. And then the second time I did it, uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, maybe this is the reason you're depressed. Wasn't the last time you were like this when you did MDMA? And I was like... <gasps> Wow. And it just like knowing but how that long did freed it last? me like three days after. Mm. But but the thing is the third time I did it, I've only done it three times. The third time I did it, I knew that that was going to happen and it didn't happen nearly as bad. Right, right, right. You just like you literally didn't know why. Yeah, yeah. The, the first two times I was like, why is why am I thinking this way? And I was just so depressed. I wanted to break up with my girlfriend i wanted to quit everything i wanted to just like not yeah. exist no yeah i think that's the thing with alcohol and whatever else too is that we've kind of you know we've accepted that we're gonna have hangovers we're gonna yeah function not at an optimal state the next day but it's kind of the price we pay yeah okay um <laughs> sorry no, no no i mean this, this is the place that it leads you know i mean you could talk about that first experience with mushrooms all we want and but uh, ultimately too like it's going to be an experience you're either ready for or you're not and every you know mo- a lot of people that i met that have done psychedelics have not had profound experiences yeah they they've done them at a party or whatever or they've tried them a few times and they were like yeah well like it was definitely different i was definitely high but i mean you know so you know i mean it is very much like you you have to be open to what they can offer you absolutely yeah then i don't know why but the gotham awards because we talked about meeting celebrities blah 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 that Uh, was in like that 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 was a crazy experience that that night and everything you know that's one of those things where you're kind of thrust into sort of uh a different world i mean yeah, you I mean, get you get a glimpse into the fantasy land that you've been watching on TV your whole life. Yeah, so basically, I mean, for those who don't know, which most people don't know much about the Gotham's, it's kind of like the first of the award season. Yeah. Um, like, and a lot of the times, the films that win Gotham's end up winning Academy Awards. So it's it's yeah, it's quite a big deal. It's in New York. There's a lot of celebrities that go. 
And like randomly, I'm like sitting on my computer one day, and I get an email being like, "You've been nominated for Gotham." And I think Mike was home then. I was like, "Yeah, what the fuck?" And I just like, I was like "Wait, I've heard about the Gotham's. What?" Yeah, yeah. And I Google and I look at the website, and it's like literally every category is just famous people, yeah. and then it's just like us. It's yeah. Like, what? And then we got a, a nominated for our web series, Inconceivable. Uh, and it was like to 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 bring the point home. We didn't win, but yeah, we we were nominated for breakthrough series short form. Um, the 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 show that won breakthrough series long form that year was Atlanta. Yeah, I so mean, that's and then like I think like Tiff uh, Chalamet won something for Call Me by Your Name. name yeah, it was and, the Call Me by Your Name and Lady Bird year. It was like yeah. A, oh, and we yeah we saw Lady Bird the day before and then got to meet Greta Gerwig and she Batman. was cool. And so yeah yeah and I mean, yeah. Timothy Chalamet was just kind of like burnt out and like uh, it was interesting. It was, yeah, it was weird seeing the the people from the TV in person. It was weird. Yeah, like I was literally like going pee and I like looked over. I'm like, oh my god, it's James Franco there and like yeah. things like that. And like it was, you know. And and I talked to a lot of these people. I mean, like I didn't. <laughs> I sat beside Margot Robbie at a bar looking to get a drink, and I did not say a word. No, I mean, and it's like, like, what are you gonna say? Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> okay, but you know, I got to you know we got to shake hands with Jordan Peele. With, yeah, with fucking the guy, what's his name, who played Omar on the Wire, who Michael Kenneth Williams, man, we Mike, talked to him. R.I.P. R.I.P. We got oh. to talk to him about about the the uh, uh, trapped in the, the closet, closet that R. he did Kelly. with R. Kelly, which was like, yeah, honestly, was the most amazing moment of the night. I got to, yeah. Al, I shook Al Gore's hand, and like it was. Yeah, that was weird. He had Secret Service with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty... <laughs> and then I accidentally started a fire, which I'm pretty sure was his Secret Service that put out. Yeah, yeah. That was a weird night. We were sitting with John Early. Uh, and then... And and maybe from uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. Yeah, Elias Shawcat. Yeah, it was a strange... I mean, I guess what was weird about it was that after a while, I mean, they gave us the best free booze. You know, you could have any alcohol you liked. You like just top go to shelf, the bar. And yeah. they just give it to you. But I guess what I felt about it ultimately was that after the first hour or so of amazement, it didn't really feel all that different from like the Leos. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, award yeah. shows in themselves, I think are. Yeah. I think the flaw in itself is that you're not watching the films, and I think that that's like the issue I have with. I mean, mm-hmm. now the so when I used to watch the Academy Awards with my family, yeah, it, it kind of meant, meant nothing because I had not seen the films. Yeah. And then as I got more advanced, I would see most of the films and then watch the Academy Awards. And it was it was right. more exciting because there's skin in the game. And then there's still those moments where, you know, oh, documentary short, time to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? And um, which I'm sure is, is a larger issue than. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, it's what everybody does, right? And it's like yeah. we we were in that category at the Gotham's. Yeah, we we were we were in the time to go to the bathroom category. Yeah, and then you're like, oh yeah, now everyone's favorite moment, breakthrough short series, and it was like, yeah, oh, it's all like web only... series and shit. Yeah, which they still had like some B-list celebrities in that category, but yeah. it was it was the least high celebrity one, and so. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting to be there and like mixed with that and and taking my parents to Burning Man, I got to meet like a lot of celebs on that road and stuff like that. And I mean, they're just people at the end of the day and, yeah. and it's it can be awkward to meet people. <laughs> um, but 
you know people are looking to connect and and yeah yeah no i mean i think that's it at the end of the day is we're all just looking to connect. Or, or most of the time in that situation a lot of them were like oh i gotta get these few picks for my publicist well, uh, and... yeah i mean the thing is is that they were they have to show up right yeah. like for the most part unless they have a very good reason like they're shooting another thing and like which is why donald glover wasn't there yeah exactly right it's a shame i wanted to meet him <laughs> yeah no of course yeah um but like yeah they they have to show up to these events these people you know who are kind of on that other level or whatever and they don't often want to especially because they they probably have to go to a different event every week you know they're yeah. doing press like for longer than they spent time making the movie you know yeah which is why like ultimately like i've i've come to the conclusion that like i like screenings more than i like award shows and yeah you know there has been like not pressure but like people want a different awards experience in, in vancouver. vancouver yeah and i and i and like for me, when I'm trying to think of that logistically, I'm like, well, you'd need the week of screenings leading up to it is like the only way I can look at something like that because like I can't, I think it's crazy to go to an award show where no one's watched anything and like sit there like it's normal. And that's the, that's like ultimately my issue with, with, you know, local film awards. Yeah. And um, I also just think that's what the money is for, motherfucker. Like, for some of the films, I mean, yeah. you know, I, no, I'll say, it, look, this is not on Joel, this is on me. Like, I just don't think there should be awards for Hallmark movies. Like, forgive me, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the award for doing a Hallmark movie is the money. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the paycheck is, should be it. I mean... There's not, I mean, maybe, the, I guess there are awards for commercials. I just mean, like, yeah. let's not pretend, like, I don't know, I just think... Like, like you should get an award for moving the art form forward in some way ideally like i know that's not always the case and i know awards are extremely political and people have found ways to buy them and um yeah i'll just say my my uh, my upcoming series that i'm going to be working on there's no part of me that is like oh i'll be winning an award yeah yeah no and i i mean ideally you know like i mean a lot of the director for hire I mean, a lot of the... I don't know. It's, it's complicated. It, it's because there should be a, a mechanism to show people, like, to allow people to, to broaden their horizons, right? Yeah. Because the, the majority of people are going to just want to watch whatever entertains them the most. And they're going to want to have a spectacle experience, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they deserve that experience. And I think that, like, I don't even want to denigrate it by calling it a roller coaster or whatever the fuck like Scorsese called it. The majority of people are satisfied with that. And oftentimes those films can be wonderful, like Top Gun Maverick, for instance, you know. Oh, Top Gun Maverick I still think is maybe the best film of the year for me. Like yeah, it's that it's and, I feel like everything everywhere all at once is like number two. Yeah. yeah no, I mean I, I didn't want to like Top Gun Maverick. It's just so charmingly like a thrill ride. Yeah, it's clean and also incredibly impressive and everything. But, yeah, like, that's, you know, there's no need to denigrate filmmaking like that because it can be exhilarating and beautiful and it can be what people need. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with awards at the end of the day is, like, some aspect of curation, which I think that we do need curation in some ways. And, like, if there is, you know, 20 indie features getting made in B.C., it's nice to know which one 
you know, critics deemed as the best, who those critics are and what they choose is something that I think is worthy of scrutiny. I won't get specific, uh, but well, I have specific examples. Yeah. I just think that also, like, if there wasn't a a track of filmmaking that was ahead of its time, that was taking risks, that was operating at a lower budget where risks are possible, yeah. then the art form would never move forward at any of its levels, right? So, like, there are things that you figure out in, like, experimental films or more artistic films or films that maybe not may, may not be appreciated by the general moving-going audience that eventually, if they work, trickle into films like Top Gun Maverick. You know, yeah. There's there there's a utility to to having curation, you know. The beyond simply pretentiousness, I think it's just there's there's ways that they found to monetize that. You know, I think when you live in a capitalist society, somebody wants a return on investment. They want proof that you know, a film that wins Best Picture is going to be able to get re-released in theaters and make more money. Or there's going to be some dividend, you know? So, anyway. I mean, it is, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, this is the thing that I always have a, a tough crossroads with, is it is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, no, of course. No matter how you, you toss the dice, it is the film business. And, uh, it's mm. tough because I, I think for me, my most of my career has been trying to be the antithesis of the business and then being upset when the business doesn't work out for me. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah, but I also think that, like, I'm listening to this book right now um, about debt, about the history of debt, which sounds boring, but it's really not because it's really the history of humanity. Yeah. And um and the guy he talks about how we have this flawed model that's based on a basic assumption which is that we started off with bartering and then we moved to coin and then we moved to credit systems. Yeah. That's just it's not uh true in the human record. What's what the way that human societies actually uh, originally functioned was more like if you're my friend and I grow potatoes, I'm going to give you some potatoes because you're my friend yeah and down the line you'll kick me something that you make and then this is exactly why i grow weed (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) no but that this is the way we naturally function in a community we we he talks about how there's there was indigenous communities that like adam smith the guy who's responsible for capitalism like as we currently understand at the free markets yeah he assumed that that was the progression bartering to money to credit right yeah but then, and and he based it on his assumptions of um, of indigenous populations in America. But when people actually did anthropological studies of the Iroquois, they found that they stockpiled goods, and then the matriarchal council actually divided them based on need to people. So there's this assumption, right? So that they're a bunch of lefties. Essentially, yeah, they're they're okay. a bunch of dirty communists. Yeah. Okay, good, good. But but the natural way that human societies function, we're kind of fed this lie of like that we that we function based on like what's most profitable and how can I get the best deal, you know, and that's the way things have happened since eternity. But that's not true, actually. Like we we are the the main problem of society 
is how do we reconcile our need to help each other and our need to live in a community with a world that is so large and so full of nodes that like how do I behave in the way that feels natural to me where I want to take care of the people in my community when the human race extends around the world and I'll never meet most of my quote-unquote community. So to bring that back to the film business, is that the issue is that it, it feels unnatural to be that way because I don't think it's supposed to be because I think films are a way for us to connect ideas and feelings with each other and we you know like we're we're at this crossroads where we know that we should be prioritizing things other than just commerce in it yeah that that's not the primary indicator of value i think that you're absolutely right it's it's a tough i mean it's it's a tough balance to to walk and i mean i think ultimately it's it's exciting for people to have the chance to make something for someone to watch i mean yeah but yeah what people actually watch is up to them and how they spend their money is up to them and yeah yeah and i i think that that's the thing is that that and that's what we're doing now more than ever is we're stockpiling to to use the original model all of these different kinds of films on streaming services or in the sort of like the data library right yeah and then people get to decide what they consume you know like we live in a period where you can actually very specifically choose what you like and then then the question becomes like do things still have value even if they're not being consumed by the majority of people and i think they do yeah and i think we're actually experiencing a very scary side of that as as ai art becomes first of all <laughs> super fucking fun i love making yeah, AI yeah, art, yeah 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 but i've made some ai art pieces that i love and i'm like oh man i would pay an artist to paint this and i'm like right. oh shit but i don't have to there's, well, there's scary sides of where our business is going, but I love where the creative side is going because yeah, the freedom that we have now and what we can create with so little resources is definitely always getting better. It's just the noise is getting louder and what you're competing against is getting vaster and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I guess I have my opinion of all that is like, I'm absolutely sure that one day a computer algorithm will be able to make things more interesting and more captivative to human beings that human beings can make for each other in their limited capacity. But what I think the utility of art is, is that it, it, it's a way to connect people. And as long as we know that what we're consuming comes from the subjective consciousness of another human being it's going to be more valuable than the best thing that an ai can create well you know but human beings are creating the prompt it's just the tool no no no, no. i i know <laughs> but, you're, I, no, I know you're no. talking about mid-journey and ar ai art in general but Dolly i'm talking about the, and, yeah but i'm talking about the potential of ai in yeah. general to, I, to I still think you need you need yeah i think i think we we long for that human touch i don't think it's yeah. it's fully there where we can just like sit back be plugged in be like nah this is the content i wanted yeah, yeah. because even if like a f like sort of a computer were able to and one day i'm sure it will be it'll make the be able to make the perfect movie for me and my taste yeah. and it'll do it even without my input because it'll just take everything that i've ever written about what i like in movies in my digital footprint since i started being online when i was a kid 
it'll make that movie for me you know like automatically it'll be able to do it with unreal engine once it passes the uncanny valley and becomes a perfect rendering like it'll it'll make my life story for me i'll know when i consume it though that it wasn't made by another person (laughs) or maybe i won't right yeah no no i think that that's fair um how what are we at i i mean it's just telling me bars we've done 2485 bars but i will tell you i do need to pee so okay i think we should just edit wrap it up this has been great thank you it's been great great to see you i think i got um that's what she said (laughs) (laughs) and then and then i helped program a few of his buttons Oh man, I gotta get the Seinfeld one. Moving on. All right, that's the that's the other one. All right, thanks for uh, tuning in. Hopefully, the audio was better. Yeah, hopefully people don't complain. You know who you are. You know who you are. We've mentioned you. All yeah. right. Okay. I'm gonna go pee. Okay. Peace love and you love. All. Bye.